Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today I'm going to be compiling some recent and scary stories that have been shared in the Unexplained Horror Story series. Now, it's been a while since I've done a best of and a long video of these stories, so I hope you enjoy them. Yes, I know you probably have heard some of these before, but you might not have heard some others. If you have a story that you would like to share in some future episodes, we are getting pretty close to... I believe volume 60 now, which is pretty crazy, send them on in at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going. Now, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true unexplained horror stories from encounters with ghosts to unexplained creatures of the night. Hello Swamp, I am 16 years old now, and at the time of this story I was 15. This happened July 4th weekend of 2019. Me and my family, including my three aunts, three uncles, and all of their kids, who I will not name, were there with us. There were two in particular who we'll call Preston and Delaney. Preston was about five and Delaney was about six. There were some other older cousins who weren't really involved in this story. Anyway, we were about to leave from central Indiana to go to Dale Hollow Lake in Tennessee. I was put in my uncle's truck with my dad, my uncle, and of course, I was stuck with my annoying little cousins. Just my luck. Anyway, all the driving through Kentucky was very boring, of course, as it's, well, you know, Kentucky. We were making a great time, and it was beginning to get dark outside. As we were driving through all the counties, I would look up the history of the counties and towns on my phone to pass time. That's how I knew where this event took place. Anyway, it was getting dark and I had begun to doze off. We entered Metcalf County, Kentucky. I was extremely close to falling asleep when I saw a bright flash in my uncle's mirror. He had extended mirrors because he was towing a boat behind him. I began to see flashes in all of the mirrors which woke me up very quickly and intrigued me. I began looking constantly around trying to catch whatever this was. What I saw next, I'll never forget. I caught whatever it was in my uncle's mirror, and as if it sensed that I saw it, it stopped, and what I saw still haunts me. It was a humanoid figure that was all naked with absolutely no features that I could see. There was no face, no genitals, no mouth, no nose, etc., it was extremely skinny, as if its ribs were going to rip apart from its skin, and although it had no features that I could tell, it smiled a smile that resembled the smile from the cat of Alice in Wonderland. It seemed like its face ripped open to create this smile, and blood and chunks of something began spilling from its face. I obviously freaked out, but didn't say anything as to not scare my little cousins. All I could do is pray and hope that this thing would go away. But strangely, I got a very strange feeling, a primordial rage, a very angry feeling. Like I could get out and rip this thing apart, which is very out of character for me, as I was a calm, 5'8", 140 pound kid. Anyways, 
After about ten minutes of pure rage, I broke down quietly and began praying once more. I do not know what I saw that night, but I know I'll never forget it. Thank you for sharing my story. Hello Swamp, I live in New England, and I'm 46 years old. This event happened in June of 2020. My stepdaughter lives in Colorado, and has been bugging me for years to come visit her at her new house. Finally, we planned a trip. This trip was exceptionally long. Me, my wife, and our four children started driving in my Ford F-350 pulling a travel trailer. The trailer was 40 feet long and weighed about 7,800 pounds. Most of the trip was uneventful until we got to Route 96, an exceptionally long straight road with fields on both sides. It was around 3 a.m. and everyone was asleep. My children were in the back seat. My wife was sitting next to me in the front. Because I took a nap hours before, I decided to drive through the night while everyone sleeps. Out of nowhere. It started to rain heavily so hard that I could barely see the road and the wind was making the trailer sway from side to side. I was going around 55 miles per hour when I passed a gravel entrance to a ranch and standing at the gate was what seemed to be a deer. Because I was driving fast in the heavy rain, I did not pay much attention to it and kept driving. Every 30 seconds or so, I looked at the rear view mirrors because I was pulling the trailer when I saw something on it. A silhouette of something big. I thought it was just the rain. I looked forward again, and after 30 seconds or so, I looked in the rearview mirror on my left, and there was nothing. So I said to myself it must have been the rain playing tricks. As I was changing my sight to the front, there it was. This thing was in front of my truck, and to the left was this deer, gray in color. Its head was partially crushed. Eyeballs were completely white. I looked at its body, and parts of the skin were missing. I literally can see the water from the rain going inside this thing. I switched the high beams on, and the eyeballs shine with the light. I was able to keep my cool even in the worst situation, and so I did. But I could feel my heart beating so hard inside of my chest that I got concerned, so I hit the gas pedal. I was trying to get away from this thing, my wife woke up with a loud whistle from the turbo on my truck. She asked me if everything was okay. You want to stop for a minute? I said no. Everything is fine and go back to sleep. I was worried that my wife or my children would see this thing. Whatever it was. I found myself driving 75 miles per hour pulling a 7,800 pound trailer with low visibility and a lot of rain. I looked at my GPS and I can see there's an upcoming train track. So I hit the brakes slowly. When I looked in my mirrors, the thing was not there. I had left it behind. As soon as I got out of that route, the rain stops, and the rest of the trip was quiet. When we arrived at my stepdaughter's house later, my wife tells me that she had a weird dream about a deer. I told her it was just a dream. I did not tell her because to go back home, we had to take that same route. To this day, I do not know what on earth we saw. I guess I'll never know for sure. All I know is that I know what I saw, and it was no natural deer.
I was 15 when this happened. My friend, we will call her Sunflower since it's her favorite flower, was 16. I was spending the weekend at her house. The time was sometime around 3.30 to 3.35 p.m. when we were walking from the pond on the road. Now let me explain. Her house was surrounded by woods. To leave, you had to follow her road to the gate or go through the woods and hope you found the highway. To get to the pond, you either went through the eerie woods behind her house or followed the highway until you found a dirt road that had a dead end. You had to follow this little trail all the way to the end. It was a small fading trail. Ultimately, the highway was the long way to the pond. Going on, I and Sunflower had decided to take a long way, the highway. We had already made it through the woods on our way to the pond in the first place, which still took a good amount of time. We wanted to take the long way home since Nana was cooking dinner early, and the plan was to get home and be able to eat, then watch movies, rather than walk back in an hour or so and still be waiting for food. So, obviously, we were walking on the highway. I and Sunflower finally made it to a point in our walk that it was not too far from home. Meanwhile, we were still walking. We passed a house that was white and soft green in color, with a mailbox in the front of it and a walkway to the road. It was a humble little home and quite cute. I was only a few feet from it since we moved aside for a truck to go by. When we went back onto the road, I saw something out of the corner of my eye. In the yard of the house we were literally just next to, our footsteps stopped and I immediately looked at the sight. My heart ran cold as I was startled by what I saw. Do you know how you double take? You look, then look away, then look back again real fast. That is what I had done. The first time, my brain did not register quick enough. I looked back, and my skin went cold. I saw a brief image of a girl right next to the mailbox. The girl had short black hair and a long nightgown. Before I could even register any more of her, I blinked, and she was gone. I did not understand what I saw. At first, I thought I had just watched too many horror movies, but later that night, I began to understand what I saw. I turned to Sunflower, and she was looking at the mailbox before slowly turning to me. Did, did you just see that? I had goosebumps running up my arms, and we ran home a bit shaken. When we got home, we did not say anything about what we had seen to Nana. We stayed quiet. When dinner was done five minutes after getting home, we prayed over it and went about the rest of our day cautiously, but normally. It was a decently fun time. We watched movies like any other pair of teenage girls. A lot of romances and dramas. Hours went by and we had forgotten all about what happened earlier. During the past hours, we had gotten a bit hungry. So, of course, we heated up some leftover food, turned on the porch light, and ate at the table on the porch. Things were okay for an hour or so when we were outside. You know, just chatting away. A little longer in the dark, Sunflower decided to call Raven on her phone. That is when it got really weird. We had not been on the phone with her long, just long enough for me to move now being positioned on the railing, my back turned to the darkness with Sunflower standing a few feet in front of me. I remember she was explaining to Raven about her new puppy when I heard something behind me. I turned behind me to see a ball bouncing in the yard. I thought the wind had blown it off of the chair since it was indeed an exceptionally light ball and it was a bit windy out. I looked at Sunflower and she had not noticed, 
so I went to get the ball to bounce it myself. When I stepped off the porch, I grabbed the ball and went to walk to the porch, but I felt this hesitation. Oh my gosh, run, she's chasing you. I was shocked at the tone she used and looked behind me to make sure she was not joking. She was one to mess with me, you know? So it was like the boy who cries wolf. I felt stupid afterward. Thinking about it, even though she does joke with me, why would she do this in such a blood-curdling tone? Regret pounded me when I turned around. I instantly dropped the ball and sprinted to the house. Her husky, who she named Chief, started running off the porch, but then it turned back onto the porch and was barking. With all the ruckus and the sound of sticks breaking, being able to hear our heartbeats, I was terrified. When I had turned around, I wish I would have just listened to her and ran. It was the girl from earlier, but she was clearer this time. Her short, untamed, curly black hair still covering her face, running at me faster than any dog could. Her white dress moving with her feet as she ran. There were mud stains on her dress, holes all over it. I remember screaming for Sunflower to open the door when we reached the porch. She could not get the door to open at first. Her adrenaline killing her. When we got to the door, we finally got it open. Chief ran inside and we slammed shut the door and locked it. I had been the last one in. I had that feeling that makes you think that you're about to get got. When we got inside, we ran to her room freaking out. I cried because of what I had seen. It was not the first time I had a ghostly experience, or at least, not the last anyway. It might have been the first though. I was chased by anything so horrific. When we calmed down, we waited for her mom to come home. When her mom finally did come home, however, it was around 11. We told her about what happened, and that is when I found out, back in the woods by the pond, there was a record of a girl being, you know, assaulted and murdered there. I also found out they live on Indian burial grounds, which probably doesn't help the situation any. Maybe it's got something to do with this. I'm not sure. I'd love to hear what you and the rest of the Swamp Team thinks. Hello Swamp Folk, sorry to interrupt this video, but today we have gotten sponsored by Warby Parker. Warby Parker is committed to providing exceptional vision care online and in stores, offering eyeglasses, sunglasses, eye exams, and contact lenses. Glasses starting at $95, including prescription lenses, sunglasses, progressives, and blue light lenses are also available. Recently, Warby Parker sent me a few frames to try out, and I honestly love it. I took a quiz, they sent them to me absolutely free, and I gotta see which one I like the best. The glasses look absolutely great. The quality of the glasses are top-notch. The ease of the home try-on system is honestly superb. It's super simple. And being able to be able to share the glasses with your friends or family before you even purchase the product and know that they like it is super cool. Try Warby Parker's free home try-on program. Order five pairs of glasses to try at home for free for five days. There's no obligation to buy. It ships free and includes a prepaid return shipping label. You can try five pairs at home for free at warbyparker.com swamped. My name is Tatiana. It has been a while since I discovered your YouTube channel. I must say I enjoy the stories here, and I like listening to them mostly because of my life, 
I have had to deal with supernatural encounters, especially ghosts and demons. Before jumping into the story, I want to talk about today. I want to apologize for my English since it is not my first language and my grammar mistakes might be too frequent. For context, I am 31 years old, I am a female, and I am from a small European country named Romania. My country is known to the supernatural lovers for our vampire stories, though I myself have never seen anything like that, to my disappointment. When I was around 14 years old, my whole family moved from the seaside where I was born and raised to a different country, in the hills area. Quite far away from my birthplace, we moved to a small, incredibly old house at the edge of a forest. From the start, I was experiencing small things like my name being called when I was home alone, small objects moving across my desk when I was doing homework, steps in the attic, and so on. But I was not worried about any of them since it was a normal day-to-day -day thing for me. I was pretty much used to it and thought it was normal. I have also dealt with things much worse than this in the past. Besides, I did not feel any fear or any threats really so I was hoping everything was okay. The entities seemed harmless at the time. This first encounter I will describe is kind of funny. After finishing high school, I moved to the second biggest city in our country to go further with my studies, but I was visiting my parents as often as I could, sometimes even several times a month since it was just three hours away by bus. So at the time of this event, I was around 21 or 22 years old, something along those lines. One evening, when I was visiting home, I was getting ready for bed. I was going to the bedroom from the bathroom, and when I closed the door and turned my back to it to go to the bed, the door handle started to squeak on its own, as if someone had pressed it down to try to open the door again. I turned around to face the door and the noise stopped. Since no one was coming, I turned my back to the door to go towards the bed and the sound resumed. I faced the door once again and the noise stopped again. This happened a total of seven to eight times in a row, in the span of easily under five minutes. Getting sleepy and annoyed, I said out loud, Please stop it, because it's not funny anymore, and I want to sleep. The noise stopped completely, and I went to bed with no other incidents for the night. When I went to sleep, I covered myself from head to toe. This is important information for what came next. As the morning came... Somehow my feet came out from under the covers, and I felt my feet lift into the air by themselves. I felt my covers being pulled over my feet, and then my feet were gently placed back on the bed. I opened my eyes to greet my mom, because I believed it was her making sure I was comfy in bed. Yet, when I looked around, there was no one in the room. Even though I never heard the door open, or anyone come in, I left my room to look for my mom and thank her for taking care of me but I could not find my mom or dad anywhere in the house, the yard, or the garden. I called my mom to find that both she and my dad were out. They had left the house more than an hour before the incident described above happened. I went back to my room feeling a little weird, but trying to just think positive about it. I thanked the ghost for being nice and taking care of me. I guess it was the ghost's way for apologizing me for the prank with the door handle from the night before. It is nice knowing that not all ghosts are evil. Some are playful and nice and even take care of us when our family is not around. I know this story is not super scary. I have some scary ones too that I think I will share with you in the future. 
In any case, I hope this can help your channel, and I hope you find them interesting enough to narrate them. But I guess a little funny story every now and then is okay for the good morale and making people understand that not all supernatural beings are necessarily evil and out to get them. My dad was a great guy. He was strong and kind. He thought about others before he thought about himself. He lived a good life, but eventually his body and his mind began to fail. At the same time, my mother was also one of the greatest people I have ever met. She was diagnosed with cancer. They told her she had between six months to two years, depending on how well she responded to chemo, how much rest she could get, etc. After a few months, it became clear that my mom could not take care of my dad as he was prone to wandering off, and I could only help so much as I have my own daughter who has special needs. They had been through one heart transplant and would eventually need a second. I decided that, to give my mom and dad the healthiest, safest life, we would need to put my dad in a nursing home. I felt guilty, as we had never talked about his wishes before he got sick. Eventually, my dad lost his battle and died quietly. I was with him for two days straight in the nursing home, he kept hanging on for some reason, and no one knew why. On his last night, I sat in his room and eventually dozed off. The hospice nurse said, the second my head slumped down and I fell asleep, my dad died. He was waiting to die when I would not be watching him go. I feel like he did that to protect me one last time. We buried my dad a few days later. The following day, Hurricane Ike sent terrible winds and storms throughout the East Coast, and my city a thousand miles away was affected. Trees were torn down and the power went out for five days in most of our city. That night, in complete darkness and absolute silence, I felt my bed shake. I looked up and saw my dad sitting at the end of my bed. He, or I guess his spirit, sat there, looking at me. He did not say a word, but I could tell he looked sad. I did not know what this all meant. Over the next year, he came to visit me several more times. He never said a word. He just looked sad. I tried to talk to him, but he would just look at me and slowly fade away. About two years later, I got a wild idea to drive to the beach where he and my mom took me as a kid. I went by myself and drove the 13 hours to the Florida town. By then, my daughter had been put on a list again for a new heart, and my mom did not have much time left. I do not know what possessed me to drive to Florida, but I did. I walked on the beach for an hour. I saw the sights, smelled the smells I had as a child, and then it hit me. I could hear my dad's voice. When I was a kid, he always said if someone had to be sick in our family, he would rather it have been him. In that moment, I felt calm. I knew he was telling me that for my mom, his loving wife, to survive. He needed to be in the nursing home. I also knew at that moment that soon enough my daughter would get her new heart, and she and I would walk that same beach together. I drove home 13 hours and collapsed into bed. I woke up to my bed shaking. It was my dad, but this time he was smiling. He got through to me on some harebrained 26-hour round trip to Florida and let me know I did what he would have done. He smiled, and I could hear him laugh as he faded off. I've never seen him again since. A few months after this, my, my daughter got her new heart. She has some of her grandpa's toughness and made through like a champion. Sadly, my mom joined my dad and died six weeks later. 
but to the happy ending. My daughter and I made it to that beach a year later. We saw the sights my parents had showed me when I was a child. While standing on the beach looking into the ocean, I felt the peace of knowing I had done all I could for the people I love. I hope this is not too choppy. I typed it out of my phone with tears in my eyes. Thank you for sharing my story, Swamp Dweller. Hi, I am Cade. This story takes place about four years back in Georgetown, Texas, in the middle of June. I got invited to my cousin's house to hang out. My uncle Dwayne was going to barbecue while the kids swam. I live in Victoria, which is about a two and a half hour drive from Georgetown. I was around 19 at the time and was about halfway through Austin with my girlfriend at the time. I'll call her Sophie, when suddenly my uncle Dwayne called with some bad news. He said it was beginning to rain so we could not swim in their pool. I had a membership at the YMCA in Round Rock, which had an indoor pool. So I asked my Uncle Dwayne if I could take the cousins to the YMCA to swim, and he said yes. So Sophie and I kept driving. My Ford F-150 ran out of gas in a little country-like subset of the town. We had just enough gas to get to a gas station. This gas station was old and run down, it didn't look like it was even in business now that I look back on it, but I walked in and there was an old man at the counter who kind of reminded me of Sig Hade or Captain Spaulding. He shot me this look like no other and said, We don't get many of you city folk out here. <laughs> really? I replied as I grabbed a package of sour gummy worms, some jerky, and two bottles of sweet tea, one for me and one for Sophie. I then walked up to the counter and paid for a pack of Marlboro Blacks and my gas. I thanked the cashier, and he didn't reply. I thought that was weird, but kept it to myself, and I walked out the door, set our loot in my truck, and filled up the gas tank, and then hopped in my truck and began the drive. Once we arrived at my Uncle Duane's house, we were greeted by my Aunt Heather and her two daughters, who were 15 and 16 at the time. I'll call them Tessa and Sam. After being greeted, Sophie went to hang out with Sam and Tessa, and I went to go help my Uncle Duane with the barbecue. He chatted about college and stuff of that nature. We then ate and after that I drove Sam, Tessa, and Sophie to the YMCA. After we finished up the pool, we were walking back and Tessa said, Hey look at that, it's a UFO. She pulled out her phone and began recording the UFO. After she ended the recording we got in the truck and drove back to their house. After we got back, we went to sleep. I woke up fairly early around 7.30am. I made some coffee and lit my morning cigarette. After I finished my coffee, Tessa walked out of her room with her phone in her hand with a very confused look on her face. I asked her what was wrong. She said the video of the UFO she had recorded the night prior was gone. She swears to this day that she did not delete it. I don't know. This is one of the weirdest things that have ever happened to me. So, for some background, my name is Morgan. I practice witchcraft and I am a pagan. This is an encounter I had with a dark spirit or entity. For many years at my house, strange things would happen. My brothers would hear knocks late at night, things would go missing, and when people were home alone, they would often hear strange noises. So one night, I was helping my friend out via a spell. Now. When I finished the spell, 
I felt something strange. It felt like something was absorbing energy from the spell, and I felt like I was being watched intently. And then, the next day, I was having blatant bad luck. Some dogs I was taking care of at the time started acting very strange around me, looking over my shoulders, and sometimes even vomiting and pooping in their cages like they were sick even though they had not eaten anything weird. That night, whenever I closed my eyes, I saw something. I had no clue at the time what it was. It kind of looked like a man, but it had black feathers covering its entire body, and its head, I'll never forget, it was like a goat head. It had horns that were curled up. Its eyes were pure glowing red. It continued for three days or so. I would just keep seeing this thing, even during the daytime hours. I thought I was losing my mind. The dogs were affected as well. They feared me or something that was around me. On the night of the third day, I decided I had had enough. I cast a protection spell, even invoking and summoning elemental spirits to help me. I cast it specifically to protect me from this entity. The next day, the dogs seemed to be back to normal. I will, though, still see it on occasion in my house. But I laugh and talk to it, as I know it cannot hurt me anymore. That night, I did cast another spell on this entity. It was a banishing spell. I was ready to be rid of this thing once and for all. I burned a paper with its image, and I burned a string representing its tie to me. I have a sneaking suspicion that it's still here, but I have distanced myself and diminished its power so much, I do not believe it can harm me. This was my encounter with a dark entity. Thank you for sharing my story. I joined the British Royal Air Force in 1991 and ended up as a medic working in a busy RAF medical center on a fast jet fighter base in the county of Lincolnshire. One weekend, a very warm August weekend in the late 1990s, I was down to be the on-call duty medic, so after my colleagues had finished and gone home or to the barracks, I was left alone in the building. Now here, I should give a bit of history on the base and the medical center. The base was a pre-war bomber station and was home to two squadrons of the Lancaster bomber. During World War II, the base saw many damaged Lancaster's crashes and bring back aircrew who were badly wounded or had died on the operation. The medical block, or station sick quarters as it was known then, was built in 1938 and has been added to over the years. On this particular Friday, I closed up the office and telephoned the duty comms operator to tell them that I was leaving and would be contactable via my pager. I locked up and went back to my barrack block to get some sleep. At around 01.30 hours, my pager went off and I duly went back to the med center to call comms and find out what sort of injury or casualty was coming in. The comms operator told me that she hadn't paged me but her board showed that the pager had been activated, but not by her. We decided to do a pager test, and no fault was found. After the test, I said I was going back to the barracks, and that I would call her in the morning when I reopened the building. It is now that my night got very strange. As I did my lockup checks, I noticed a figure. A tall black shadow figure, 
standing in the doorway around 40 feet from where I stood. I called out to see if they needed the medic or if they needed help. I got no answer, but noticed the figure seemed to be walking very slowly toward me. I first thought it was one of the night guards who had seen me enter and thought that they could strounge a coffee, so I called out that I wasn't in the mood for being mucked about. Still, no reply came from the figure, and it was still very slowly coming toward me. It was then that the temperature dropped and I could see my breath clouding in front of me. I looked back toward the figure, but it had disappeared, but the temperature still was very, very cold. Needless to say, I was spooked and left the building like a rocket. Over the following weekend, I wasn't paged, so I didn't need to go back to the building, which I was thankful for. On Monday, I opened up and waited for my colleagues to come in for the week's duties. I looked for my friend, a sergeant nurse, and asked if she knew of anything strange that had happened in the building. The first thing she said to me was, Oh, so you've seen him too. After that, when I had to be in the building alone, I would often hear footsteps or doors opening and closing. I never saw the figure again, but I was always aware that I wasn't alone. I grew up in Ireland, and back in the 90s my family had a small holiday home in Ballyhornan that we shared with a bunch of relatives. The house has long since been sold, but there was a couple of freaky things that happened to me that have always stuck with me. The house was located in a small isolated area with a bunch of other holiday homes and families. The entrance had a farmer's field attached where people would always pat and feed the white horse that always was there. Polo mints were his favorite. One year when I was around six or seven, Myself and my younger cousin crawled through an opening in the barbed wire fence. We used to do this regularly to go pat the horse close up. We are feeding and patting the horse when I noticed along the top of the field a person running across. But something was weird as they appeared to be completely translucent. They stopped dead in their tracks and turned to face us, probably no more than 50 yards away. At this point... The horse started kicking and neighing and became extremely unsettled. It ran off to the other end of the field. We turned around and this person was still coming at us. We could see a face and I remember it completely looking sinister and having a smile. Me and my cousin absolutely bolted back through the barbed wire fence and ran straight home. We didn't mention it to any of the adults because we shouldn't have been entering the private property in the first place. So we had a few sleepless nights, but... We let it lie. In my adult life, I've recounted this story to multiple friends, but sort of at the same time convinced myself that I fabricated it and maybe it was nothing. That was until I ran into my cousin at a New Year's party a few years back. We had not really spoken for some time as he had been living in America, but over a pint, I recalled the story to him and he absolutely recalled every single detail. This gave me the weirdest chilling feeling I've ever experienced mainly because I assumed that we did not see something, but I had most likely fabricated it. But even he recalled the person's face and the sinister look and the translucent appearance. That's basically my ghost experience. This may not be the creepiest thing you've ever read, but it's always been very personal to me, and I often replay it in my head, over 
and over. First off, my name is James, and I work for a medical transportation company. I still work there, so I will not say the actual name. This story and its events occurred about two years ago, and the names have been changed to protect the privacy of my co-workers and the dead. The company I work for takes elderly, disabled, and special needs people to the hospital, doctor's appointments, shopping on occasion, etc. It may not be the most physical job, but it is very taxing, and it's not a job for everyone. Between driving and unloading people 8-16 to 16 hours a day, it is a hard job, and with my line of work, it is unfortunate, but the people we take occasionally pass away. And when it happens, it falls in what we call the rule of three. The rule of three is people usually pass away in groups of three within the same month. And if you are very unfortunate, you find out about it as you show up to pick them up or just after taking them. I was one of those who unfortunately had this happen. It started out like any other Monday. I get in my van and start her up and put in the address in my GPS and head out to my first run. The day was going slow, which was alright considering it was summer still. The dispatcher calls and tells me to head to the VA, which is a veterans hospital, for Bill, a regular of ours. So, I pull up and park and set down my lift when I noticed there's a lot of people out front in a group. I walk in and go up to the front desk and let them know I'm there to get Bill. The nurse looks at me with a sudden look of shock and pulls me aside to let me know that Bill passed away 20 minutes before I arrived. I was shocked to find this out and had to let my boss and the dispatcher know. The rest of the day, it just goes normal I guess, and I get home and go to bed. As I was still a bit unnerved about the whole Bill situation, I wake up Tuesday morning and it was another very busy day. I was exhausted and ready to go home when the boss adds on one last run. It was to take Ruth to go see her husband. Ruth is a sweet old lady who loves to chat, so I picked her up and we are heading to the retirement home where her husband lives. I ask her what time she thinks her pickup would be at. She smiles and says, Thanks dear, but I'll not need one. I'm staying with my husband. She then tells me how he has taken a turn for the worst and they'd expect him to pass away that night and she was going to be by his side. This made me feel extremely uncomfortable and my stomach churned, as I know the chances were if her husband passed, she might follow soon. I dropped her off and gave her a hug. I smiled and told her to tell her husband goodbye for me. And with that, I went home late and played some Fallout 3 before going to bed. Wednesday I was off, but the boss called me to let me know of Ruth's husband's passing. I told her I knew and was very sad about it. They said to have a good day off and not to think about it so much. So I went fishing with some friends and while venting to them about the past few days, my friend Turk says, Dang dude, you must be like the death taxi. I got a bit mad and snapped because that's not very funny. So we continue fishing and chilling for the day. Thursday comes around and I learned from the dispatcher that another one of the clients has passed. I asked who it was as I felt the same feeling in the pit of my stomach as I believed it would be Ruth. But to my shock and horror, it was a younger client named Matthew. Matthew had been in the hospital unresponsive from an infection for four days apparently. He was a cool guy, and we talked about his boat and fishing quite a bit. 
As I worked to throw the day, it dawned on me that it had taken him five days prior to today. I told the dispatcher that I needed to go home as I was not feeling well, and they let me go. To be honest, I was a bit freaked out. Five days. That meant I had taken Matthew to the store and back home the day before he was hospitalized. I went home and went to bed as all I wanted to do was not think about how all of this stuff was happening. My friend's words echoed in the back of my mind. Death taxi. Well, I cannot honestly say that in that moment it serenely seemed like it, but it kind of did. Eventually, I pass out, and I am awoken hours later to my boss calling me. They need me to go to St. Mary's Hospital to pick up a lady named Anna, who is going home. I checked the time and it was 3.45am, Friday morning. So I drag myself out of bed, get dressed, start drinking a Venom energy drink to try to wake myself up, and drive. As I'm going, I turn up the radio as A7X is playing. I noticed it is a bit foggy and I'm heading to the hospital. I pull into the hospital between the fog and the lights. It is very bright for being almost 4 in the morning. So I pull into the ambulance bay and drop my lift and take my wheelchair in. They show me to the room Anna is in, and she is very frail looking. After a bit, they get her into my wheelchair and bring her out. She smiles, a big bright smile, and asks if I'm the driver. I reply, yes I am. She smiles and compliments me on how I'm such a strong and sweet young man. I smile as one of the nurses tell me she is on extraordinarily strong painkillers, so she is probably high off of them. I said okay and wheel her out to load her up into the van. She is complimenting me the entire time. To be honest, this kind of caught me off guard as she was constantly giving me compliments. As I strap down the wheelchair, she asks if I believe in God. I tell her I do, to an extent. She smiles at me, and as I pull out of the ambulance bay into the fog and lights, she, she asks me one more question. This question, though, it makes my blood run cold. Are you taking me to heaven to go see the other angels? I turn my head and let her know I was taking her back home. I'm trying to be very polite, and I don't want to show how uneasy I felt, you know? It is a long drive as she is in the next town over. The whole ride we talk, and she compliments me and tells me how she cannot wait to get to heaven and see her relatives, and mention how it is so nice what my company does for people. I am sure she even said I was a godsend at some point. I was flattered, but also very creeped out. As I'm driving, I notice the fog has cleared, and we are almost to her house. I look in the rearview mirror to see her eyes closed, leaning back in the chair, so I ask if she is okay. She opens her eyes, replies, Yes, I'm just tired. As I pull into her neighborhood, I noticed it is once again foggy. In fact, it is thick fog. You could almost cut it with a knife. I find her house and help her inside and tell her to have a good night. She smiles and hands me a $20 tip and says, Thank you for the ride, you two. Then shuts the door and I stand there as it hits me. The entire ride, it was only me and her in the van. No one else. I drive back home and go back to bed. I wake up later and head to work for a normal day, with the week's events in the back of my mind. It was about two days later, on Sunday, that I noticed a familiar name in the paper's obituaries. It was Anna's name. She had passed away just hours after I had dropped her off and was found by her caregiver. Thinking back on this day, it still freaks me out. The rule of three was broken. All who had passed I had taken. No, I don't think I am the death taxi. 
but I do have to ask myself, the ride with Anna, was it just the two of us? Or is it possible she could have seen someone, or something, that I could not? Shadow people. Some people go their whole lives without seeing them. Some only see them a few times. I live in a small town in Michigan, out in the country. I lived in the same house for my 18 years. This house gives off some creepy vibes, but overall, it is a nice place. Now, I have had many sightings being here. Mostly, I see small shadows about dog size darting out of sight, but I have seen a few humanoid ones too. I'm going to share a couple of the scariest moments that I've had. It was 2016, and I was in my loft bed alone drawing pictures. I get the feeling that I'm being watched, so I look up to my doorway, and there stands a man. He seemed voiceless, just solid black, with no details except his hat. He had a black fedora on, and a jacket. As soon as I look up, he walks away. As he walks off, I can see his pocket flow out behind him. Now, you would have to walk off with some force for your jacket to blow beside. I have never seen him since. I have heard of the Hat Man, and it is the closest thing that I could think of what this would have been. If anyone knows more about him, I'd be grateful to see it in the comments. Now, for my second story, I was around four or five at the time. I went downstairs to help my dad put salt in the softener. Now, we have a classic Michigan basement, and it's very spooky down there, especially for being so young. But what I saw that day still scares me to go back down. Yes, I was young, and most people would just chalk it up to their imagination, but I know what I saw. I was walking around and exploring a little because it was one of my first times down there. I turned around to look in a dark corner and there it was. He was hunched over with a wolf's face. He bared his teeth and looked right at me. I ran upstairs screaming for my mom. My dad was down there but did not see anything, so he just thought I was being a little silly kid. Now at the time, I never really knew anything about scary things from horror movies or anything like that as I didn't watch them. This creature was solid black and voiceless, but I could see their teeth and eyes. I know what Dogman is, but I never thought there would ever be a Shadow Dogman, if that makes sense. Our basement has a low ceiling and my dad being 6'6 has to bend down. This thing was bent over more than he was just watching me, but it also kind of reminded me of that hat man encounter. And just like the hat man, I never saw this thing again. We live between fields and some patches of woods. Whenever we ride our horses out there, we always get a little bit of an uneasy feeling. One day, between our house and our neighbors, there is a small field between us. We heard what sounded like howling. It was way too deep to be any of the dogs on our road. Cows sometimes make a low bellowing sound, but there are no cows that close to us. The corn was up at the time, so you could not see anything. This went on for a couple of minutes and then just stopped as suddenly as it began. I wish so badly I would have gotten audio, so maybe somebody could have answered this. We were thinking it was possibly a dog man, because when I was younger, I saw something staring at me through the woods, but who really knows? I have also heard my name being called while I was back by the barn by myself. It was so clearly my name, but it was a voice I had never heard before. 
I called out and asked what they wanted because I first thought it might be my dad, but I remembered he was gone and my mom was in the house. I do not like going back there by myself because I just feel like I am a magnet to the supernatural, especially at my house. In my room at night when I am trying to get some sleep, I sometimes hear tapping noises on the ceiling and sometimes it sounds like things are falling or breaking all around me. I am the only one in my house who experiences these things. A few of my friends over the years have said they have seen little shadows darting and they never see them at their own house. It kind of makes me mad that they show themselves to my guest. I had a talk with them and they have been a little less known since then, but it still bothers me. So I'm not sure if this would be considered a shadow person story, but when I was a kid, between the ages of 7 and 12, I lived in a relatively new house in a nice area. It was me, my younger brother, and my parents. My bedroom had one of those glass doors that leads outside, and I slept on a bunk bed. I know this all seems irrelevant, but trust me because this will show my thought process. So, when I slept on the bottom bunk, I could face the wall and see shadows from my room due to the coming light from the glass door. It started when I was around nine or so. I would wake up at night and see a shadow of a young boy on my wall. Me thinking it was my little brother waking me up, I would roll over to see what they wanted. But they were never there. There was never anyone there. I would look outside and see no one. I would run to my brother's room to see if he were awake and what he wanted. My brother is a very heavy sleeper, so I would often open his door and call out his name, but he would be fast asleep. This happened almost every single night that I lived in that house, and there was no way for me to explain what I was seeing or where this shadow was coming from. Another thing to mention is we had a dog at the time, and he would never go into my brother's room. So continuing, one night my best friend was over, and she and I decided to sleep in my brother's room because my brother and dad were staying at my grandparents' house, so why not, right? I mentioned how my dog would never go into my brother's room. His room also gave off a very weird vibe, almost like you were just not wanted in there. So, my friend and I decided to go to sleep in my brother's room, and I had not told this friend about the boy I had seen. During the night, I wake up and see the shadow of the boy, but think it's just my imagination, so I go back to sleep. In the morning... My best friend asked if my dad and brother had come back sometime that night before, which they had not because they were not due back to the next day. I tell her exactly that. She paused for a second, saying that she woke up last night and thought she saw a shadow of a little boy. She said that suddenly she got a sinking feeling and then a shadow of a tall man wearing a hat walked up to the boy. She told me that she felt the boy feared this man. Then... She said that the man grabbed the little boy's hand and walked him out of sight. She told me that she thought she might have dreamt it until I told her about the shadow. I've been seeing him for years at this point. She wanted to tell my brother, but I stopped her, not wanting her to scare him. At the time, he already had a deep paranoia about death. She agrees, and we just kind of never talked about it again. Now, for some extra background that I think could be useful... The house we lived in before this was a 57-year-old brick house. I remember hearing somewhere that brick holds spirits or the paranormal in. I'm not sure though. 
but I do remember that at that house I would have horrible night terrors, and most consistent, I would see shadows entering my room and surrounding my bed. Though, I thought these things were just very intense nightmares for a child. When we moved out of that house, I had been seeing the young boy shadow in. I did not realize, but it felt like a weight had been lifted off. Also, that was the last house we lived in before my parents got divorced. I'm not sure if that's important or not, but I know I'm awfully bad at organizing my thoughts into a story. But if you could please, maybe try to find a way to organize them and see if somebody who listens to the show might have any ideas, I'd be grateful. Hello, Swamp Dweller. I have been toying with the idea of sharing my encounters, and seeing as I listen to your show the most, I thought I would send it to you. My grandmother used to live in a beautiful one-story, three-bedroom house. She has since moved to a different state to live closer to my aunt for health reasons. For most of my childhood, she lived alone in this house, except for an old poodle named Peaches. This poodle had arthritis in her hips, this is important to know for later. Now, a little history on the family in the house. My great-grandma lived her remaining years in the house with my grandmother. And after she died, her room became a guest room. This room I will refer to as the flower room. The second bedroom was used as my grandma's craft room. She liked to make jewelry that was huge and gaudy. Many of the pieces she had had little faces surrounded by beads, and those always creeped me out. After some time, this room was also used as a guest room, and although the craft supplies had been packed away, the face necklaces stayed out on a somewhat of a display. This room I will refer to as the craft room, although it was no longer being used as such. The third bedroom was the master suite, my grandmother's room. It was down the hallway from the other two rooms. The flower and craft rooms were connected by a Jack and Jill bathroom. After my great-grandma died, the flower room was vacant for a few months. Slowly, the family went through her things, taking their keepsakes and donating the rest. She had a walk-in closet in her room, and that was converted, eventually, into a storage. Mostly for, like, Christmas decorations and things that my grandmother picked up on her travels. The woman absolutely loved to visit faraway islands. She loved to go to Taiwan, and places like Indonesia seemed to be some of her favorite trips. After about a year of her passing, the family started to notice that the fan and the light in the room would change from on to off or vice versa when you left the room. If you had the fan on but the light off when you left the room, when you came back the fan would be off and the light would be on. At first, we thought it was maybe the remote to the thing that was malfunctioning, so new batteries were put in, but it kept on happening. So maybe it was just the actual remote that was broken, so the batteries were removed and the remote thrown in a drawer. That was not it. Maybe the wiring was the problem, and it was just now causing an issue. So an electrician was called to look at it. Everything was fine, so a new fan was put in. When the new fan continued to turn off and on on its own, it was decided to just ignore it. The logic, I guess, was that the room was hardly used, so it really shouldn't be an issue. 
It only seemed to get worse. The fan would start to turn on at such a high speed that it would shake or swing back and forth so violently that the chain would whip around and thwack the lights so much that it could be heard anywhere in the house, even if the doors were closed. My grandmother, who is one of the least religious people I have ever met, ended up going to a church and asked a priest to come over and bless the room and tell her mother that, if it were her, she could move on. The priest agreed and blessed the room. My grandmother no longer thought it could have been her mother in the room, because after they were done blessing the room, she noticed all the photos of my great-grandma had broken glass. The fan would stop for some time, but the on and off thing would return, at first occasionally, but then more frequently. After this next part, during one of our visits to my grandma's house, my sister and I were going to be there at the same time as my cousin. This was especially exciting because we never got to see these cousins, as she lived in Texas and we lived in California. Regardless, every time we got to see her, it was like we were all best friends and no time had ever passed. At the time, I was about eight or nine, and my cousin and I were going to share a room because my sister, being the oldest, had argued that she should be allowed to have her own room. So we took the flower room, which also happened to be the main bedroom the kids always slept in anyway. I think in part since the craft room had a creepy face necklace, I think most of us didn't want to be there. I should mention that the bed in the flower room was a queen-size bed that we shared. I do not think we noticed anything strange until maybe the second or third night when my cousin and I heard tapping or incredibly soft knocking at one of the doors. We assumed it was just my sister tapping on the bedroom door because she was so bored or maybe lonely. So my cousin told her to go to bed. She was the loser who thought it would be better to have her own room by herself anyway. The tapping stopped, so we figured she just went to bed. The next night, I was already asleep, and I was awoken sometime in the middle of the night by my cousin telling my sister to stop knocking at the door. As I woke up, I could hear the soft knocking rather than a tapping as it was, a little louder than the last time. As soon as my cousin got up and out of bed to go open the door, the sound stopped almost as if nothing were ever there. The knocking returned the next night and the same thing happened. Just as my cousin got to the door, the sound stopped. In the morning, she told my sister to stop bothering us in the middle of the night or she would get in trouble. My sister said she had no idea what we were talking about, but whatever. That night, we both woke up and there was no tapping or knocking sound. So whispering to each other like kids do... We both asked if each other was awake. Then, we were both kind of just lying there, and she asked me why I had woken up. I told her I was not sure, and asked why she was up, and of course, neither of us knew what woke us up. Then it dawned on us that the walk-in closet had this incredibly loud squeak whenever it opened. And that must have been what woke us up. We only realized this because we heard it squeak again and the door opened, just a crack, maybe only a foot or so. There was no air on, and the window was not open, so we knew it was not from a breeze. And besides, we never went in there or opened the door, so a breeze in the room should not have been noticeable at all, honestly. In the dark of the room, we hear what can only be described as the sounds of someone or something crawling on the floor clumsily from the closet toward the foot of the bed. Then, for a few moments... Both of us too scared to voice the questions of, did you hear that? 
when there is a sensation of someone gently pulling the covers from the foot of the bed. But the cover is only pulled halfway off the bed. At this point, the two of us are hugging each other and trying our best to watch the bed. The blankets stop moving, and we just sit there for a minute or so. My heart felt like it was going to pound out of my chest. Suddenly, there is what looks like a cat that jumped onto the bed. But it, it's all wrong. It does not fully look like a cat. Even now, as an adult, I cannot really explain it. Something about the shape of its head and upper arms were just wrong. But this thing's eyes, I will never forget it. It had red, almost glowing eyes. It just looked at us for what felt like the longest time, but was probably only just a few seconds. When it finally started towards us, we both jumped off the bed and ran out of the room through the bathroom door so that we would not have to get any closer to this thing. We slammed the bathroom door behind us and locked it and ran into the craft room and locked that door as well. As we clambered into the bed with my sister, she woke up and told us to get out of her bed and room. When she turned on the light, she saw that we were both white as a sheet and did not ask any questions. The rest of the night, the three of us stayed awake with the lights on. In the morning, she asked us if we had seen the thing. We said yes. She said she saw it last time she and I were there, and at the time thought it might have been Peaches the dog. But the dog could not jump on the furniture. It would be way too big to be mistaken for anything. But that was why she did not want to sleep in the flower room anymore. When we did finally go back to the flower room, it looked like there had been a tornado that had gone through the room. My grandmother never said anything to us about the room, when we thought we would get into trouble for the mess, but I guess no one cared. None of us stayed in the flower room ever again, though, instead opting to sleep out in the living room. It was not until later that I realized that there had been no sound that night. I know I screamed when I ran from the room, but I never heard a sound. There was also a clock in the room that you could hear the tick of every second that was missing in the silence of the room while the covers were being pulled. My grandmother lived in that house for almost 15 years, and visiting her was never really the same. The flower room largely avoided, the return of the sound from the chain of the fan ignored, and as an adult, I now wonder, whatever lives in that room, was it my great-grandma, unrested, or was it something else that was attached to my grandma and one of the trinkets from her travels? Maybe it was something else entirely. Whatever it might have been, I do not think the new owners were told about the flower room. Hi Swamp Dweller, I would like to start off by saying that I am from India and I am a huge listener of your channel. I enjoy listening to these stories, so I thought I would share this allegedly true paranormal experience my friend had. This will be from their perspective. This happened in June. One Tuesday night I was laying on the bed watching something on my phone. I normally sleep around 1am since I have a very bad sleeping schedule, but on this night I tried sleeping at around 11.30pm because I had online classes the next day. So, my mom wears these rubber slippers at home because her feet tend to get cold. These slippers make a very weird and downright irritating sound, which I really dislike. I tucked into bed, hoping to fall asleep. Just then though, I heard what sounded like my mom's slippers. Initially, I thought she was going to get water or something so I just ignored it and tried to go to sleep. The noise persisted though. This time, it was much slower than before. 
there were extended gaps in between each step, which started to spook me. Suddenly, it felt as though the noise was getting louder and someone was walking towards me. Then again, I tried to make it make sense by thinking it was probably my mom coming to check whether I had fallen asleep or not and dismissed all the noise as, you know, just my mom. I switched on the lamp near my bed, and no one was there. This is where I began to freak out. A lot. I was even scared to walk up to my mom's room. The sound kept coming. Sometimes it was as though someone was walking towards me, and sometimes away. I was afraid to switch the lamp back on. That is when I saw a light coming from my mom's room. I quickly got up and ran to her, and told her what happened. She tried to calm me down, and told me to sleep with her. I managed to finally fall asleep sometime at around 2am. When I woke up in the morning, I noticed my mom walking back and forth. When I asked her what was wrong, she told me that her slippers were missing. I was confused as it was always near her bed because that is where she leaves them every night. Nonetheless, I went to look for her slippers. I looked everywhere except for my room as I was sure it could not have been there. I went to my room and I was absolutely shocked to find them right next to my bed in a position as though someone were about to get down and wear them. I got very scared and ran to my mom. Nothing of this sort has ever happened, ever again, but this incident still gives me the chills whenever I think about it. So, it was November 2016. I was preparing for my board exam and used to spend most of my time in classes. So one evening, I was stuck in my class for some reason and got out very late. It was around 10.30pm when I took a shortcut to reach home early. The road used is very quiet at night and had an old abandoned hospital which was closed to 12 to 13 years. So I was walking past that hospital, had my headphones in, and was mumbling a song when I felt someone following me. I looked back but no one was there, so I started to walk again. As I was walking, I saw a lady at some distance walking ahead of me. I thought she was from my colony, as she looked like a woman from the neighborhood from the looks of her back. So I called her name to stop her so that we could go home together. But as I called her, I noticed that she started walking even faster. So I started to run towards her, and she kept going even faster. But the strange thing is, I was running and she was barely walking, but still, she was going so fast, and I stopped chasing her. Just then, she stopped too. As I slowly approached her, my phone rang, pulled out my phone from my pocket, and I was about to pick up the call, but then it got disconnected. I saw there was no bar in the network box, and my phone was on an emergency call. It was strange because I often take this road and always had a full network. So I kept my phone inside, and as I looked up, the lady was gone. I looked here and there, but the road was totally empty, except for me. The road is completely straight for about one mile. There was no turns, no place to hide, and the woman was just in front of me five seconds ago. I got chills all over my body. I felt this weird coldness like I can't explain. My brain stopped working, and I just started running as fast as I could. I reached home and told my family everything that happened. I was very scared and panting, like I was fighting for air. I got a high fever that night that lasted for three days. 
Many people have experienced the same thing I did when walking on that road late at night. Some people think that a ghost of a pregnant woman who died during childbirth due to complication in the hospital was haunting the road. The hospital was believed to be cursed since then, and allegedly, that was why it was closed. I stopped taking the road, but this incident will forever scare the heck out of me. This is kind of a short one, but it has been a while since I have submitted a story to the swamp, so I figured why not. I recently got a short gig working at a bar. Though I did not work there exceptionally long, I did have one experience with the bar's ghost. The bar I worked at was a small one out in the countryside that does not really get much of a crowd. I usually work the night shift about 5 to 2 in the morning, before even working my first night shift, I was told about at least three ghosts, one that haunts the docks across the road, one that likes to move furniture in the main bar room, and one that haunted the back rooms. Supposedly, the one that haunts the back room is a notorious prankster. I was told that he died while drunkenly driving a motorcycle around. Apparently, he was beheaded after running into some sort of beam that was sticking out of the dumpster in the parking lot. Since then, it is said that he sticks around and does things like messing with the jukebox and throwing pennies at bartenders when they are locking up for the night. My story is a bit mundane, but I was pretty humored by it and kind of creeped out. It was my first night shift on the job and my first time working alone and unsupervised. I was told that if I do not get any customers by midnight, I could lock up for the night and go home. I hate staying up late so I was thrilled when no customers came in from between 11 to 12. So I hustled to kill the power and lock everything up before any more customers could come in. I was nearly done turning off the lights and unplugging all the TVs in the jukebox for the night. So I went to the back to unplug the open sign, where I heard someone call, Hello? I looked up, inhaled deeply, and cussed to myself, thinking that I would have to plug everything back in and stay open until 2am. So... I very unhappily go to the front only to see the bar completely empty. I looked out at the parking lot and it was vacant, save for my car. And I did not see another human being in the bar or walking around the bar. So I started locking the doors. That is when I feel a penny smack me in the back of the head. I rolled my eyes and continued locking up. All I can say is that ghost done fooled me, made me think I had a customer and could not go home early. I guess that was his way of welcoming me to the bar. Like I said, not a really creepy story, but something to think about nonetheless. There definitely is something more to the afterlife. I am a personal support worker, working in a retirement home. This facility is not terribly old, seven years at most. But with any building where death occurs, there are some strange things that happen. The nursing station has a direct view of the dining room and the fireplace room. On night shift, you can often find the rocking chairs swinging by themselves, the lamps turning on or off, the dining room doors opening or closing, and the dining room chairs being pulled back from the tables. The second floor is where most of the activity actually occurs. We have multiple residents who claim that there is a little boy who will come visit them at night, sit on their beds, and ask them to play. 
Multiple staff members experience cold spots, hear someone crying, or calling out for help only to find no one in distress. Growling and strange animalistic sounds are not uncommon as well. One room on the second floor has even been turned to storage after there were incidents with three different residents. The first one started hearing bangs and strange noises at night. This escalated to her claiming she was pushed one night when going to the bathroom, causing her to break her collarbone. We moved her to a different room when she returned from the hospital. The second was adamant that something was staring at her all night long from her bedroom doorway. Glowing eyes, guttural sounds, the whole nine yards. After only a few months, she said that she was pulled from her bed by whatever this thing was and dragged. There were no injuries this time, but she ended up moving to a completely different facility. The third and final resident of that room had all the same complaints as the others, but one night, he was pulled from his bed and the injuries sustained were significant. I happened to be working that night and it truly looked as though something clawed his legs, back, arms, and chest. There was so much blood in the carpet, it had to be pulled out and replaced. He said something grabbed his feet, pulled him out of the bed, dragging him into the living room, all while clawing at him. Each resident, upon arrival, is given a pendant like a life alert to push if they need assistance. The pendant for that room still goes off to this day, even though it was deactivated years ago. I don't know what's happening here. I have no idea if that room is some sort of gateway, or if it's maybe just haunted by something entirely different. But there's something evil in that room. Is it possible I might have a ghost dog as a friend? So, this story goes way deeper than this, and I'll give all the info on my encounters that I can. Names have been changed. When I was a kid, I had an imaginary friend that was a dog. His name was Skippy, and he went everywhere with me. My mom said, when she asked me who Skippy was, thinking of it as another, you know, imaginary friend, I told her it was my dog. She asked where he came from and I told her he came with me and he's always been with me. I still have the stuffed animal I felt represented him best. He's a little brown dog with a red bow and brown black eyes. Right now he's in storage since I'm about to move. Sorry Skippy and I don't want to lose him. So if that's not weird enough, there's more. There were others too. Other people maybe? I'm not entirely sure of how to word it. One of the earliest ones I remember was the dancing lady. I don't remember this entirely, only in the story being told. My mother was cooking at the stove, and to the left of the stove we had some steps that led to the stairs that go upstairs to the second floor. I was maybe two or three years old at the time, sitting and watching my mom cook. She went to back up to open the oven or something, and I cried out, Mom, look out! And, confused, she asked why. Look out for what? And I replied, the dancing lady. Can't you see her? She's right behind you. Years later, my friend, we'll call her Molly, is staying the night. And we are being teenage girls playing on the computer and hanging out. Eventually, we get ready to go to bed. At some point in the night, we went downstairs to go get a drink or a snack. And I guess she saw the dancing lady. The next morning, we wake up and she starts asking the history of the house and telling me she saw a lady dancing in the kitchen. And I'm like, Molly, are you serious? I share the story of when I was a kid. 
we were both seriously freaked out about that. There was also another younger girl. I never learned her name or what she did, but I always felt her presence in the house. Like, you know when someone walks behind you and you feel their energy, like, okay, someone's behind me, I gotta make sure not to step back into them. That's how it always felt when she was around. I noticed this when I was probably 9 or 10 and always knew she was around until I was 15 or 16, maybe a bit older. I think there was a man too. An older man, tall, always in black. He had such an awful energy to him, always angry and violent feeling. I don't like thinking about him. Late at night, there would be knocks on my door, maybe the house setting, I don't know, which was up on the second floor. Then there would be this, like, nails dragging on a wall sound. It was such an awful sound. My bedroom was parallel with the wall that leads to the bathroom, and I wish it was my older brother, but when I heard these noises and knocking, it was late at night. My brother at the time was working the third shift, and I was 14 or 15 when this was happening. My last experience is the most vivid. This was when I was like two years old, and I was first able to get up the stairs. I remember the gate was down, and there was a baby gate. My mom didn't want me to fall down the stairs, but I didn't give a crap. I love those stairs, and I was just a kid. I was hearing noises coming from my mom's room, which was the master bedroom. The master bedroom was shaped sort of like a square peanut, wide and long. To the left, when you entered, was a smaller square where there were some storage closets built into the walls. To the right, where the bed and the dresser were, and the windows that led out to the roof where I like to sit. So I crawled up the stairs with my dog, Daisy, best dog ever, I miss her every day, to investigate because I'm a baby and I got balls, and I get up there and go through the door. The doors don't actually close. It's really, really old. And inside is a group of, like, Nine men, playing cards and smoking cigars. I remember their faces and how they looked so, so very vividly. Most wore these derby hats that were dressed in black and brown suits. Very dapper looking men for sure. They were laughing and talking and making bets, just having a good old time. I don't remember much after that, and I'd love to think it was my overactive imagination, but it just felt so real. It was so vivid. The smell of cigar smoke, the chatter and laughter, the feel of the stares on my hands, and my dog whose hair stood up on end the entire time. Daisy was a real dog. She was my friend, my best friend as a kid, but not Skippy. She was a black lab with the sweetest brown eyes, chunky and shaggy. I loved her so much, I like to think of her as sort of a protective being, like a second mom for me, but a dog. Here's a little background on the house I grew up in. I really don't know much, but I do know it was built around 1920 and 1924. It was originally two stories and later had some additions built on, a back porch and a side office room. The house next door may have been connected to my house on the same property at some point. The house next door was a brothel, and I know this because each bedroom had its own bathroom and the living room was sort of split off. The front entrance was smaller and then you went through two double doors in the huge living room. The kitchen was tiny, and it had a little second room just behind it. I loved that house. My dad's friend Terry owned it, and she was a big influence in my life growing up. We would go to the beach together, and I'd sleep over at her house, and she was like an aunt to me. I haven't heard from her in many years, and I'd love to know how she is. But her house was huge, and I loved it. 
It was built just before my house was, and is a historical property in that area. My house has a marker out front with its geographical location because uh, I'm not really sure, but I'll have my mom take a picture of it. Anyway, there's a rumor that someone committed suicide in my house. Like, not the people before us, but much before that. They said it was the stepmom of the guy who lived there. I never encountered anything like that, but I've hated that house since my childhood. Maybe not hate, but like, really don't want to go back, I guess. Does anyone have any advice or ideas? Thanks in advance. I want to start out by saying that these are as true as I can remember them from being a child. I listen to your videos as often as they come out and feel as though I'd like to share my own experiences. I grew up in a small town called Seven Oaks in the southeast of England, and my house was haunted. I always felt like I was being watched while in that house, and whenever I felt like I was being watched, I would always get a feeling of exactly where I was being watched from. My grandmother, who would always say don't worry about it or just seem to not care too much, she would later tell me it's because she knew what was happening and was not able to do a single thing about it. So my grandmother got a new phone when they started to come with a camera. I was playing with it and snapped a photo of my grandmother while she was unaware. In the photo, there was a human-shaped white figure with no visible features behind her. I was playing on my Nintendo 64 and went downstairs for some reason that I cannot remember. When I came back upstairs, this big heavy desk of drawers was placed in front of the door and was just blocking the way. It took a lot of pushing to get it open and to move. The thing is, we didn't hear anything move at all, and the room was on the top floor of a two-story house. Whenever I had to go downstairs at night, I would run up them feeling a little bit panicked, and I would, in my mind, see a milky white thin man in a black hooded robe looking up the stairs, sometimes holding out his hand like he wanted to grab me. Childhood imagination, right? Well... My mother told me that she sometimes gets sleep paralysis, and one time she saw a figure that resembled what I was staring at, with a twisted, angry expression on its face. I didn't, to my knowledge, ever tell her about the thing that I saw on the stairs. The being seemed to like classical music as well, because whenever a radio would turn on for no reason, it would be playing classical music. And no, not one person in that house listened to classical music. I would wake up with cold chills if I slept on the right side of my room, but never the left side of the room. I had two beds in my room, as one was when family would come stay over, and honestly, my mother thought it was best not to waste a perfectly good mattress in a frame. Now, not many people seemed to believe me on this one, but it happened. I had a bracelet, and it was on my wrist, and I wanted to see if something would happen if I rested with my head on my bicep, and my wrist it was in the air. Well... The bracelet began spinning around my wrist, then it stopped, and I noped the heck out of there. I did not try that out again. The weirdest one of all was when I walked into my grandmother's room just to check on her and see if she was okay. I heard what I can only describe as a howl from a pack of wolves. It was loud, and my grandmother heard it too. She said don't worry about it. Many other strange things happened while I lived there. There were lights in the sky my sister's dead cat's meowing being heard from outside, and it was dead for many months. 
tiny stones being thrown and shadows being seen walking across the top floor hallway past bedroom doors. I have had creepy experiences since moving out and my family has, you know, a few occurrences now, but I am happy I do not personally live there anymore. I am Fudgy, and I am 17, turning 18 years old on February 14th. So, my parents are migrant workers. We go upstate every year to work in the fields. But there's this one location I'll never forget. It's in Illinois. I can't remember the name of the town, but it used to be an Air Force base. Like I said earlier, my parents are migrant workers, and they decided to take the whole family with them along and two other families. I think I was about four years old. Now, because we were working in the fields, we didn't want to waste money on a hotel, so we decided to stay in an old abandoned hospital. Other migrant workers lived there too. It was a three-story building. Most lights would not work, the air conditioning was horrible, and the bathrooms did not have hot water. It was safe to say, the building had a lot of problems. The room we would be living in was very small, about the size of a small apartment. It had a kitchen, four beds, and one sofa. The sofa was covering two main doors which had foil on the windows and was taped so we could not look inside. My dad looked at me and my cousins, who were around the same age as me. They were both two boys, and my dad said, don't look through those windows. I looked at him confused as they all left for work, leaving me and my cousins with my older brother. After a few hours, we were all sitting on the sofa, eating, I decided to look through the office window. I tore off a little hole so I could see through. At first, I just saw a long white hallway. I didn't think much of it and thought my dad was just trying to scare us. So I looked again and, right there, I saw what looked like a doctor. He had brown hair, was thin, a twisted smile on his face. Like, it was ear to ear. I felt my heart sank to my stomach and backed away very slowly not really knowing what my next move would be. I felt like I was going to vomit. I told my brother, but he just did not believe me. I once had a babysitter who lived with her younger sister there. She was always very nice and gave us snacks, but something about her just did not feel right. One day when I was playing, she got mad for whatever reason, grabbed me by my hair, and dragged me into a small closet. I remember getting up and banging on the door for her to let me out, screaming and crying. She kept me in there for like an hour or so. I never went back to that babysitter after that. After all those years I decided to research it, I could not find anything about it being a hospital. The only thing that comes up is that it was a migrant camp and it closed. But I could not find when it did. I am planning on going back there one day to look through those doors again. Even to this day, that twisted smile gives me chills down my spine. This is the only experience I have ever had that to this day I cannot rationally explain. It is my first time writing it down, so I hope my descriptions are not too confusing. It was in 2017 and at the time I had just graduated from university and was living alone in a studio apartment in South Yorkshire, England. 
The studio was quite small, and the layout of the room is very relevant to the story. It was a long rectangular room, one end being the front door and the other a huge window overlooking the city center, with my bed right under it. When my bed ended, on the left wall, I had a desk, and next to it was a huge wardrobe that was as tall as I was. Opposite this, on the right wall from where my bed ended, started the kitchen setup, and the bathroom took the rest of the space. Basically, I can sort of see the front door from my bed, but the part of the corridor that went from the front door to the inside of the room where the desk and the kitchen were, were obscured by the huge wardrobe. I never really used the lights in the flat, as they were too bright for me, so I had a few fairy lights hung up around my bed, and I would turn them on at night. On this evening, I had just finished showering. It was summer, so I had the heating off, and as it was an electric radiator, I had made sure it was unplugged. I was and still am a bit paranoid about unused sockets, so I make sure I switch them off if I'm not using them. This radiator sat on the wall that is obscured by my wardrobe. Anyways, as I sat on my bed, fairy lights on behind me had left my shower door open, which was in front of me, with the faint yellow light coming from the shower into the corridor diagonal from where I was sat. I was drying my hair with a towel. When, suddenly, from behind my wardrobe, I saw a blinding blue light. It was so strong and bright, it illuminated my kitchen. It really spooked me, and I froze. There was no sound. It just flashed a few times, bright, and it disappeared as fast as it happened. I immediately called my friend, as for some reason, I was too scared to look behind my wardrobe for the source of the light. I was baffled, as there was nothing that could cause such a bright light no source other than my unplugged radiator and a socket that was completely turned off. From my bed, I couldn't see what caused the light directly as my wardrobe was in the way. My friend stayed with me on the phone, joking around trying to calm me down as I crept around the corner, expecting to see a blacked out wall, thinking maybe it was the plug circuit freaking out or something. I knew that was not possible though. There would be a fire or smoke or something. The plug was off, as I had left it, and there were no marks on the wall, nothing that can indicate it was electricity that caused it. No source for the light. Nothing. As I told my story to friends, they tried to pin it on lights from the window, which had its thick blinds down at the time. Plus, I was on the fifth floor, opposite an abandoned building, so honestly there was no direct light ever from the window other than the sunlight during the day, and also the window was behind me, while this light came from within the room, in front of me. Some told me it was probably my bathroom light flickering, but that light was visible diagonally in front of me. It was yellow and very dim, and I'm not daft to be able to distinguish two different light sources. This came from the side. To this day, I do not know what this blinding light was. I tried looking if others had experienced such flashes of light in their rooms, but most people talk about orbs, which is not exactly what I experienced. The only way I can describe it is that it looked like, from my angle, like those effects you see in sci-fi movies when portals are opened. There is a flickering blue light and then it disappears. I'm not saying it was such a thing. I am just trying to describe it, really. Either way, it never happened again, and part of me regrets not looking behind my wardrobe. I guess I would never truly know, but I'd be interested to hear if anyone else has had any unexplained sudden lights in their bedrooms.
This is a true story from when I was 12, all the way back in 2002. My friend AJ and I decided to go over to our friend Megan's house. Her friend Allie was also there, so we went swimming and having fun, a normal day in July for us Pennsylvanians. After swimming, we went hanging out in Megan's room, and I saw that she had an unopened Ouija board. I had never played with one, and neither had they. I was always told by my mother not to play with one because they can lead to demonic infestation and negative energy all around you. However, being a curious kid, I wanted to see if it really worked. So we got it out, and Megan asked us who we should try and contact. Allie brought up that her friend down the street had just lost her older brother to suicide by hanging. His name was Josh. So, we figured we would try to contact him. None of us were worried about starting because, you know, this was the middle of the day and it was sunny. What could go wrong? We started out all of our hands on the planchette, and while going in circles, we were trying to contact Josh. At first, nothing happened. We waited for a little and then tried again. Immediately this time, it started moving and greeted us with a hello. We asked if this was Josh. It said yes. We then asked a series of questions. If I'm honest, I cannot really remember exactly what we asked. But I do remember, with each answer, the planchette started moving faster and more violent. We asked where it was at, and it spelled out the dog. There was no dog in the room. However, she had two dogs downstairs. After it started spelling out dog, it started spinning fast and I suggested we all take our hands off at the same time and see what happens. As we did this, it kept moving for four or five seconds before stopping. That freaked us all out, so we decided to say goodbye. However, when we opened the door to go out of Megan's room, a big stuffed animal dog was blocking the way. We all froze and looked at each other like, what the heck? AJ and I left, and we thought that was that. Two days later, Megan called me and said some strange things had been happening in her house, especially with her one dog, Oreo. He was always a nice dog, but suddenly, he was very mean. Megan also said over the past two days, every time she got out of the shower, Oreo would be in her room watching her get dressed. Within one week after the Ouija board incident, the dog had bitten her mom, dad, brother, and Snyder, the bigger dog they had. He also broke through an electric fence four times. After putting him down, she said things began to move frequently in the house on their own, and their whole family felt as if they were constantly being watched. Megan told them about what happened, and they had a blessing done in the house, and after that, they threw away the board. From what I can remember, everything seemingly went back to normal after that. This happened back in 2010 on Thanksgiving. For reference, I am a male, and I was 20 years old and had transferred to a university in Northern California to pursue a degree in parks and recreation. This was the first time in my young life I had ever been away from my family for the holidays, so it was a bit different. However, it was not all that bad. I had my roommates and some other friends I had met, and we decided on having a potluck at our dorm. Now, what should have been an evening of fun, food, and games would start off with something quite bizarre. You see, before we began dinner, 
which was being prepared by my roommate Damien and his girlfriend Samantha. I wanted to go for a run around campus. Hands up for those listening who like to work out before huge meals. Anyway, hopefully it is not just me and I'm not some weirdo. Anyways, the sun had just set over the horizon when I put on my running shoes and advised my friends I would be back in about 45 minutes or so. I proceed to head down the flight of stairs. We were on the third floor of the dorm, by the way, and I began heading north, toward the other side of the campus. Now when I got there, I proceeded to do two laps around the entire school. In total, it took me about 30 minutes, a little faster than I expected. The last 10 minutes were a cool down. Now remember I crossed the street, since our university is in the middle of downtown, and I walked over to a convenience store. I recall my friend Damien asking if I could go and pick up some extra plastic cups and plates. I give him a call, and he asks if I could also bring some napkins. I agreed, and I make the quick purchases. But here's when things would change. When I exit the convenience store, and I am waiting at the streetlight, enjoying the nice quiet evening, I get approached from my left. I looked for just a moment, and it was just a homeless man. I assumed he was going to ask me for money, and I was even prepared to hand him two dollars of change I had left over, you know, to spread some positivity and support. But I went cold when the man leaned to my ear and gave me the creepiest voice I'd ever heard. Give me your wallet and your phone. Don't make any sudden movements. I remember standing there, thinking was this some sort of joke? But then I saw it. I looked down for a moment and I could see a sharp object. A, a knife. My fight or flight response immediately took into effect, but I tried to play it cool. Since he is literally within lunging distance, okay, let me grab them. Give me a second. The man lets out a chuckle and tells me not to make any sudden movements again. Before backing up ever so slightly, presumably to allow me to reach into my pockets and give him my phone and wallet. This distance which might have been maybe four or five inches, was enough of a distance where I felt comfortable in running and trying to get away from him. Just so you know, I have no idea how fast this man is. I have always been a runner myself, but you just never know. In one quick motion, I hurled the bag of cups, napkins, and plates right at his face, and with this distraction, booked it across the street. Mind you, the signal to cross had not come just yet, and there were cars still driving through the intersection. Man, looking back, I always despised how long that thing took. Anyways, I did not get hit, thank goodness. I might have angered some drivers, but hey, at least it beats being mugged. I continued toward the campus and looked back for a moment. I see the homeless man standing at the streetlight with the look of defeat. We had this five-second stare down before finally he put his hands in his pockets and turned to walk in the other direction. I felt a sigh of relief come over me, but I was not safe yet. I booked it all the way back to the dorm, which required a fob key to enter the building, and it's not until I was in the lobby that I could finally catch my breath. A couple of students who had just gotten off the elevator saw me and asked what was wrong, and why I looked pale as a ghost. I told them what happened, and they agreed I had experienced something profoundly disturbing. Eventually, I caught my breath and I called the campus police so that I could provide them with details of what had just occurred. They told me they would get into contact with the police department, 
but I never found out if they ever caught the guy or not. By the way, the entire campus sent out a text message telling students to remain in lockdown, but it was lifted half an hour later. I am still not sure if they ever caught the guy or not. I surely didn't see him again, and there doesn't seem to be any more reports of people being mugged. As for the paper plates, cups, and napkins, we ended up getting some from our neighbors. The rest of the evening went by as normal, albeit with quite a scare. Hi Swamp Dweller, I love the channel. It has become a part of my regular routine to listen to stories while I get ready for work. I figured I would share the best story I have got. I was working in an old Pantages theater in Central California. Every theater I have been in has a certain otherworldly feeling to it in the back areas. This 1920s theater was no exception. As an event manager, part of my job was to shut down everything after the show. Usually, this meant extremely late nights and I spent a lot of time alone there. Strange things happened, but I never felt uncomfortable. Guests would occasionally make comments on seeing things like people in the mirrors that were not there. Once I was complimented on the dedication to the historical accuracy of the bathroom attendant's costume. There was no bathroom attendant, and the guests were in an unauthorized area when they experienced it. For the show I was locking up from when this happened, we had the orchestra pit open, which is basically a large hole in the stage. This pit is about 12 to 15 foot drop on the chairs and equipment. To turn off the lights, you had to shut everything down at a panel on the stage. This puts you in pitch dark, even during daytime, with a long walk downstairs, by the open orchestra pit, up to the house aisle, and out to the theater front doors and gates. Normally, I had high power flashlights on me, but I had forgotten it this day. This was before smartphones, so I just had a dim keychain light. No big deal, I guess. Yeah, I have made this trick thousands of times before with no woes. I turn the lights off, head for the door, and as I mentioned, to get out you must walk down the stage stairs next to the orchestra pit. I hit a stair wrong and lost my balance, falling towards the open orchestra pit. This was bad news. I was the last one in the theater. If I fell and was hurt, which I would have been, it would have taken who knows how long for anyone to find me. It was a long fall in the chairs, mic stands, and other equipment. All around a bad situation for me. As soon as I trip, I feel a strong, large hand grab my upper right arm and pull me back away from the pit. I cannot remember if it was cold or anything like that. I was honestly a little too panicked to notice anything other than the fact that I was not falling, and I did not understand why. When these things first happen, the paranormal is not my go-to explanation. Now, I am relatively open-minded, but there is usually the mundane explanation for most weirdness. I do not think paranormal activity unless there is absolutely no other explanation. I am telling you, there was no other explanation I could come up with. I tried. Not my jacket, not getting caught on something. It was a hand, four fingers and a thumb around my arm with enough force to make me stand back up. I did not know what else to do but say thank you. After that, I said morning and goodbye every day. I let them know when I was leaving and that they were in charge after I was gone and to watch the place while I was gone. This incident made me a believer. There was a lot of activity in that theater, lights being turned on and off, doors being locked, never hostile and usually helpful. 
Later, I learned that one of the caretakers had died of a heart attack there, so maybe that was who helped me. That building had a certain magic to it, and I can see something wanting to stay there for eternity. I think there were a lot of beings that were there, so who knows. I lost my job there during the financial housing crash. Well, everyone there did. I think they might have reopened it, but I have since moved out of state. But even now, years later, sometimes I think about the time a ghost saved me, and I hope that whoever was there is alright and keeping an eye on things in the theater. It all started when I was about eight back in Vernon, Florida, where I used to roam the woods on our 25 acres of land. I would hear a girl calling my name from the woods, but I could never tell how deep the voice was coming from. So, I was smart enough to never follow it, and after a few weeks, that stopped and I never heard it again. The second experience I had was in Houston, Texas when I was about 15 years old. I woke up out of a dead sleep while laying in the living room. What I woke to was a dark figure standing in the hallway. From what I could tell, he was looking at me, but not moving an inch. The man honestly looked like Abraham Lincoln with a top hat on, and as I stayed there frozen, he slowly walked away causing me to jump up and turn the lights on making sure no one was in the house since I lived with my mother and little sister only, and I knew this was not them. With no one in sight, I went back to sleep as if nothing had happened only to tell my mother the next day. The part that truly scares me the most is that she turned pale white and said, as a child she witnessed the same thing but multiple times over a course of three years. We believed this man was her uncle who molested my two great aunts and possibly my grandfather as well. He never mentioned anything about it, but we suspect it happened. The first time I ever witnessed something with someone was with my old friends Mark and Wolfgang. So I went to high school with them. One weekend, we all decided to head to Bear Creek Park after hearing about a lost cemetery in the woods. We are pulling up to Patterson Road off of North Eldridge with Wolfgang driving me in the passenger seat and Mark in the back with two other friends. Wolfgang and I are talking to each other as we turn onto Patterson's Road when we see a lady on the road and hit her. Everyone felt the bump, but only me and my friend who was driving witnessed it. He slams on the brakes and we both turn around shocked as our other friends look at us like we were playing a prank. He asked me, did I see that? I said, yes, dude, you hit somebody. Nobody was behind us on the road or on the side, so we drove off the road to check if the car was damaged and there was not even a scratch. We decided that we wanted to smoke the joint we brought, so we head down the road to the bridge where the rumor is, if you shut off your car, you can hear tapping on the glass. This is when Wolfgang starts messing with us and keeps tapping a piece of plastic, trying to freak us out, which ultimately it did, until we hear a bang on the hood. That is when we decide to get the heck out of there, but the car, for whatever reason, would not start, and our friends in the back start really freaking out, saying they can see somebody in the woods, less than 10 feet away from us. After three to four dead turns of the key, the car finally starts, and we sped out of there like a bat out of hell. Thanks for listening to these creepy and downright unexplainable horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. I myself grew up in a haunted cabin 
that was well over 200 years old. Saw a lot of weird things myself in that cabin. I've even shared some of those stories on this channel. If you guys have any unexplained stories that you'd like to share in a future video, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it really helps me out a ton. The more likes this video gets, the more YouTube promotes it in its algorithm. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new video as I upload them almost every single day and all things natural and supernatural. If you want to support the swamp outside of hitting that subscribe button and that like button, maybe check out our merch store. I have mugs, face masks, hoodies, and t-shirts all for sale over there. I even have an exclusive Swamp Dweller Christmas design being sold only until New Year's Day. So definitely get one before they're gone forever. If you're on the go and want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories wherever you go, you can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. And like I said, it's absolutely free. Thank you guys, as always, for supporting the swamp the way you do. I couldn't do this on a daily basis without you guys. I would love to know at the very end here, what story was your favorite tonight? I'd have to say that second one was a very interesting one to me. From my own experiences, it kind of just reminds me of a few things I saw when I was younger. I would also love to know if any of you guys have ever experienced anything that you can't explain. Comment that down below. I love getting to know you guys more. I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.